This is the T-Truth, and I got a bit of a shorter episode for you today, mainly revolving around the NFL and also looking ahead to the NFL draft. Not my mock predictions or mock draft, but really something else about how teams draft. And I think it's pretty cool, and I, I find it very, very interesting, so hopefully you do too. Um, it's known in Boston. It's known in Boston on Sunday. And I, it kind of snowed. Uh, last week on Tuesday in Boston, but that was like some slushy, weird crap. I, I don't know what that was, but Sunday, wow, it snowed for most of the day, actually, and it was really, really, really cool. I enjoyed it. I'm from California, so, you know, I'm going to freak out over snow all the time, every single time I see it, but additionally, I've seen snow before, before I came to Boston. But living where it snows is something else. Now, I know I'm going to grow to end up hating it, apparently. But I'm, I'm enjoying it for now because, A, it's not every single day. And so when it comes, it's like, whoa. I, I did not see that happening at all. It was not forecasted. It's crazy. And then, A, you know, it's snow. You get to you gotta have fun. It hasn't powered up yet where you can, like, make snowballs and start shucking it at people. But I'm, I'm excited for when that happens. And so that happened on Sunday. And then on Sunday, I also had a huge paper to get done. I finished it. I ended up getting some glimpses of Sunday Night Football and some football throughout Sunday. Not a whole bunch, but just a bit. I got enough watch through, which is why most of my segments today are not NFL. Like, oh, this team... Really demolish them, and yeah, that's says this about that. No, because I didn't watch as many games as I would have liked to. I'm, I still have my power rankings, and my power rankings are based off the games that I got glimpses of. But I did not get to watch as much football as I wanted to. I should have worked ahead of my paper. I mean, it's one of those things, again, you live and sometimes you learn. I didn't really learn that you should probably write your paper like a couple days earlier and start on it. But anyways, that was Sunday Night Football. I caught some glimpses of Bears and Rams, like I said. Very unentertaining, but it was the only thing on at that time that was worthwhile watching for a sports guy. But Thursday Night Football made huge news, made huge headlines. Not so much for what happened during the game, but more for what happened near the end of the game. On Thursday Night Football, the Browns played against the Steelers. And the Browns won 21-7, and it was a pretty slow game that involved a whole lot of punts. But the main news was not the Browns won, they, may, they might get their mojo back, because really those points came more from the first half. It really was, while wow, the Browns were playing really well in the first half, and then they kind of, it was just a punt fest in the, second, in, the, in the second half. But the real news came in the fourth quarter, when, out of nowhere, a brawl happened between Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. Now, I didn't see it happen live. I caught it off social media, and I, and I saw it, and it was like... I, I said, come on, man. You're at the end of the game. It just looks horrible. It just looks horrible. Now, the NFL repercussions of this, or the consequences for each of the players that were involved... So for, for Mason Rudolph, 
he was fined 35000 Miles Garrett, he's suspended indefinitely, although there may be a loophole where he can bring that down to a definite amount of games and a reduced suspension. And then other people that were involved in the brawl, such as Marquise Pouncey and Larry Ogunjobi, were also suspended. Marquise Pouncey for three games, Larry Ogunjobi for one game. Now, I'm not here to give you the recap. I'm here to give you what I think about the brawl, or really fight, and Miles Garrett hitting Mason Rudolph with his own helmet. Now, I think that, of course, what Miles Garrett did was dumb. It was stupid. It wasn't, it wasn't good. It wasn't very sportsmanlike. And really, it was outside of the limitations. Yeah, sure, you can smack talk, do some little shoving, and you'll get, you know, sent your separate ways. But, come on. You can't throw, you can't throw fists, you can't throw helmets, you can't do stuff like that. And then you have Mason Rudolph, at the same time, who got fined. And this is where it really gets into a debate of whether Mason Rudolph should be held accountable as much as Miles Garrett and should be facing similar consequences. Now, I think Mason Rudolph should not be suffering the same consequences as Miles Ma Ma uh, Garrett with the uh, indefinite suspension. But I definitely do think that, that his punishment should not be limited to a fine. He must be suspended as well. That should be in addition to his punishment. Because you saw the clips. You saw the clips of him doing what Miles Garrett successfully did first, which is trying to rip off Miles Garrett's. Miles Garrett's helmet. Only problem is, Mason Rudolph was not strong enough to actually do that. And he ended up shoving his head into the ground. It's pretty bad. And then when he started rushing at Miles Garrett, he did a low a low blow punch. Again, outside of outside of the limitations, outside of the boundaries. E even with the little shoving that, that I mentioned before, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. Sportsmanship. You learn this at a young age when you start playing sports. You can't do that stuff. It just looks bad. It's bad it's bad television. It's bad role modeling because you guys are on TV and little kids look up to you. It's just bad everything. So, I'm disappointed by what happened. And this happens several times in the sports world, actually. But a lot of it gets, a lot of it gets swept on the rug. And when it does happen... It makes big news, especially in the NBA or NFL. And it happens quite often in the NHL and, and uh, MLB. But in those other sports, it's more thrown as, hey, you know, this is just what we do. But NBA, NFL, it has a, ne it has a negative connotation with this. It has a negative connotation with it. And when it has that negative connotation, there's a lot more responsibility. So I think that it was horrible on both sides of, of Mason Rudolph and Miles Garrett. Yes, Miles Garrett escalated it tenfold. But still, Mason Rudolph should be suspended, not indefinitely, but should be suspended for sure. Moving on, my NFL power rankings. So my power rankings last week were Cowboys at 10, and then Steelers, Texans, Chiefs, Packers, Patriots, Seahawks, Saints, Ravens, Niners. 
Now, I don't know why this has been happening every single week. Whenever I put a new team in, they always lose. I put the Vikings in one week, they lost. I put the Bills in one week, they lost. I put the Steelers in last week, they lost against the Browns, like I mentioned in my previous segment revolving around the Thursday Night Football fight. Now, I'm going to bring back the Vikings at number 10. I'm going to bring them back. And it was either between bringing back the Bills or adding in the Raiders for the first time. Now, the reason why I didn't bring in the Bills was because they haven't beat anyone except the unstable and week-to-week -week team in the Titans, who they barely beat 14-7. to The same thing goes for the Raiders. They haven't beat anyone except for the Colts team that has been very on and off offensively. On the other side, the Vikings have beat the Raiders and the Cowboys and a mediocre 5-5 five five Eagles team. So for that comparison, I give this number 10 spot to the Vikings. But again, the last time that they were here, they lost. And it has been a weird sort of trend for teams that I add to this Power Rankings list. Now at number 9, I have the Texans. They dropped from number 8 to number 9. They had a horrible, embarrassing, shameful loss to the Ravens. And yes, it's the Ravens, and they have Lamar Jackson, and they're on an incredible six-game winning streak. But come on, Deshaun Watson, you got to score more than seven points. Again, just come on, man. Come on. I expected a big game, and it was a blowout. And number eight, I have the Cowboys. Yes, I moved them up from number 10 to number eight. I'm not a fan of the Cowboys. I'm a fan of the Chargers. I know, it's, it's pretty bad. But... I believe in Dak Prescott leading the Cowboys more than I believe in Ezekiel Elliott leading that team. No, I believe that they need Ezekiel Elliott as well as their defense to, to perform well. And their defense did not do that at all against the Detroit Lions, allowing Jeff Driscoll to score 27 points on them. Come on. You've you got to do better than that. But again, I believe in Dak Prescott and when he has the ball in his hands to make the plays necessary. And so that's why I have them moving up as well as their win over the Lions. And number seven, I well actually from number seven on, there's no movement at all from my previous um, power rankings list. So at number seven, I have the Chiefs staying where they are. They had an unconvincing win over the Chargers. They were very, very fortunate to win that game at all, considering that Mahomes was not playing well. And they mainly won that game because of the Chargers shooting themselves in the foot and being the Chargers. And number six, I have the uh, Packers there. No movement. They were on a bye week. Can't really move them. Again, Chiefs, I couldn't move them ahead of the Packers because that just was an unconvincing win. And the Packers, again, bye week, not really, not really anything I can say that would move them up or down. And number five by the Patriots. Again, good win over the Eagles, but I expected Brady, I expected Tom Brady to play just a bit better coming off a bye week, but he continues to miss throws that he would make last year or could make. And they're not missing by an awful lot. They're missing just by a bit. And these are standard throws that he has on, on a, in a, on a uh, routine basis made, such as an over-the-head throw. He routinely makes those, or sideline throws. He, routine, he routinely makes those, and he's been off the mark this whole season. 
and it's been looking pretty bad. And number four, I have the Seahawks. Again, bye week, no movement, nothing to move them up or down, or teams around them to shift their placement. And number three, I have the Saints. They finally did something on the offensive on the offensive side with Drew Brees throwing three touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, granted, these are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they have one of the one of the worst pass defenses in the league, and they had Jameis Winston, who is Jameis Winston, and threw four interceptions, just like Jameis Winston would, and has on multiple occasions. It just looks ugly, and I'm gonna say it again. Yeah, was it the 2015 draft class with Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota? Because yeah, they're. They're going to be back up soon. And at number two, I have the Ravens. And at number one, I have the Niners at the exact same spot as before and for the exact same reason as before. I still need to see the Niners struggle more than they did against the Cardinals. Yes, they did struggle, but they still ended up winning by 10 grand. There was a late fumble touchdown for, for the Niners. So really, the score was closer than it really ended up being. I think it was a four-point game before the touchdown was scored. And it ended up being a 10-point game because they it's some rule stuff. But even then, they still got the win. And there was never a doubt in my mind about them losing to the Cardinals. But the Ravens, on, on the other hand, looked down, like damn near unstoppable against the Texans. And throughout this whole six-game win streak since their loss to the Cleveland Browns, which is an embarrassing loss and I guess fueled them on this winning streak. So to recap my power rankings, I got Vikings back in it at 10, I got Texans at 9, Cowboys at 8, and everything else from there is the same as last week with the Chiefs at 7, Packers at 6, 5 being the Patriots, Seahawks at 4, 3 being the Saints, and 1 and 2 being the Niners and Ravens respectively. So I'm going to take a little break really quickly to get got a drink of water, and then I'm going to go on to my big topic of the day that I'm really looking forward to, which is talking about the 2020 draft and some of the repercussions of the way that teams draft. And I am back. So, my big topic is teams drafting. So my big topic is teams drafting. And I started off looking and researching for this topic by looking at Tua's injury, the Alabama quarterback star, his injury and how it, how it would affect his draft stock. And then from there I went into thinking what that would mean for his NFL career. Would it end up being good for him or would it end up being pretty bad? And as I started researching that, because that originally was going to be my subject and topic, it devolved into looking at first first overall picks in drafts and in the NFL draft, and that got me to this number and statistic that I found all on my own. There since 2000, there have been 12, 12 first overall picks that were quarterbacks, and when you add all their playoff appearances together, and by that I mean just one year. They have combined for 31 playoff appearances. Now, in those same years that they were drafted, so for Andrew Luck's uh, instance, he was drafted number one. In that same year, Russell Wilson was drafted. And so I did that for a whole... I, I picked seven quarterbacks. 
that were drafted in the same year as those number one overall picks. And guess what? They combined, seven of them combined for 28 playoff appearances. You want to know who those quarterbacks were? Drew Brees, Tony Romo, although he went undrafted, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick, that's a nice one for you, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott. Those seven combined for 28 playoff appearances, while those 12 first overall picks at quarterback, and I'm bringing this off my phone if, if you're wondering, while those 12 first overall quarterbacks combined for only 31 playoff, appearance, playoff appearances. And then from there, I decided, all right, that's pretty cool. So why not look at the 2020 mock draft? And from there, I found since 2016, 14 quarterbacks have been drafted in the first, in the first round. And based off the mock drafts for 2020, four more quarterbacks will be drafted in the first round, which adds up to 18 quarterbacks being drafted in the first round in the past five drafts, which is the most in a five-year span in 2000, from, so from 2000 to now, because I didn't really research past 2000. I'm being honest with you. And so that got me to the question, why are so many quarterbacks being drafted early in the first round? And I thought, that, and I ended up thinking, all right, that's way too broad of a question. And so I started off by looking at what are the three different ways that quarterbacks are drafted, especially in the first round. And so, and so that got me to my topic today, teams drafting. So I found that there are three different ways to draft a quarterback in the first round. The first way is to draft for the future. And there are two ways of doing this. So the first way is what Baker Mayfield was, was meant to do, and same with Jared Goff, what they were meant to be doing, and what Patrick Mahomes did, which is to develop their talents behind the scenes and learn behind a veteran quarterback sitting out. For Baker Mayfield, it was supposed to be Tyrod Taylor. For Patrick Mahomes, it ended up being Alex Smith. Lamar Jackson did the same. Daniel Jones is kind of doing the same. Lamar Jackson learned behind Joe Flacco. Daniel Jones behind, for a while, Eli Manning. Now, the second way of drafting for the future is shown in Kyler Murray and Sam Darnold, which is you have a really, really young team and what you need is now a quarterback to develop. And at the same time, you have a really young team, like I mentioned before. And so you just need that veteran presence from the free agent market to come in and help your QB out, whether it's helping them develop or with the defensive side and really boosting that whole young team together and letting the quarterback figure it out or helping them out. So that's drafting for the future. The second way is drafting for winning right now. And that's what Carson Wentz, Deshaun Watson, and Josh Allen were drafted for. Everything looks good. Their defense looks good. And they were drafted at the right time. Their teams at that time just needed a good quarterback to step in and lead the team. Deshaun Watson stepped into a Texans team who the year before were being led by Brock Osweiler, yet had the best defense and only had a 9-7 record because of Brock Osweiler. And in that same year, J.J. Watt got injured for the first time, major injury, in his career. And so they brought in Deshaun Watson thinking, hey, you know what? We had Brock Osweiler as our quarterback. And then they started off with Tom Savage that year before they were like, you know what? This is horrible. We're putting in Deshaun Watson. They were looking to win now. Carson Wentz started right off the bat his freshman year in the NFL. 
him and Josh Allen. He stepped in, won right away because they had the defense. They had they already had the pieces there. They just needed a quarterback to step in, especially with the Bills losing Tyrod Taylor in free agency to, well, at the time, the Chargers and then the Browns, or vice versa. I'm switching up my order right now. Now, the third way of drafting, and the final way of drafting, is for need of position. Now, there is no good or correct way to draft, but there is definitely a wrong way. Just like there's a wrong way of shooting a basketball. There's a correct way, and then there's a wrong way. Actually, scratch that. My bad. There's no right or wrong way of shooting a basketball. You can shoot however you like. Actually, I'm, I'm messing that joke up. So I'm just going to move on, because I had a joke there and it was really bad. Now that I've completely messed it up. Alright, I'm, I'm, messing, I'm missing the point. Anyways, the third one is drafting for need of position. And this is the wrong way to go. This is how you get quarterbacks like Josh Rosen and Mitchell Trubisky on your team. Josh Rosen was drafted and had absolutely nothing to work with on the Arizona Cardinals. Now he's with the Miami Dolphins and again has nothing to work with. And he's a young quarterback whose career is going to end up being completely forgotten when, it, when it's all said and done. Mitchell Trubisky was drafted number two overall and he's not a good quarterback at all. That's what happens when you draft for a need of filling a position. Your quarterback either sucks because he sucks or you end up with Josh Rosen who doesn't have the tools necessary to do anything. And that's what concerns me with this draft. With so many teams looking for a quarterback to draft, you have Cincinnati, you have Washington, Miami, Tampa Bay, Chicago, the Chargers, the Titans, Pittsburgh. Only two of those teams are going to draft because of their quarterback's age and thus for their future. And that's the Chargers and the Steelers. Those other six teams can and probably will end up drafting a quarterback for need this year. Or drafting without faith, which is what happened with Dwayne Haskins in Washington, with the Washington Redskins, where he was drafted, and they and and you heard rumors of their coach and their GM not having faith in Dwayne Haskins. So how did these teams get in this mess in the first place? How did they get in the mess of needing a quarterback to fill a position? How did they get there in the first place? So the first way is lack of patience in a result-oriented league and fan base. They try to market their team, and they feel like they need to. And so in order to market your team, you need a face of that team, and that face typically is the quarterback, your franchise leader. The second way is they don't invest in team building at all. And when it comes to team building, it's kind of like fantasy football. You don't go for the quarterback first, you go for the running back, wide receiver, all those other pieces, and then you get the quarterback because the quarterback, A, does not get a whole lot of points in fantasy, and the running backs and wide receivers and tight ends and other positional players too, except now having a fantasy football with an offensive line and a defense. Even though you do have a defense in fantasy football, technically, but that's as a collective unit. They have individual pieces. So the first thing that you need in team building is 
a solid offensive line to protect your running back and your quarterback. Then you can get started with the defense, starting with pass rush. Because if you can keep the other team's quarterback on their feet, on their toes, it can make your bad defense that's lacking everywhere else aside from the pass rush look okay. And then from there, you can start moving around. You can start going running back, quarterback, receiver, and switching it all up. And eventually getting to the quarterback spot. And you can move all those pieces around in the order that you like. You can get the offensive line, and then the offense, and then the defense. But the offensive line has to come first in order to protect your quarterback. And most of these teams that I mentioned before, those six teams do not have that with them at the moment. And the third thing, the third way that they got to where got into the mess in the first place is that they don't plan ahead. They take the success now without looking ahead to the future and planning ahead. The easiest team to point to that did this was the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had one good season with Blake Bortles where they went to the AFC Championship and blew a lead against the New England Patriots. They had one of the best events, if not statistically the best events in the NFL but their offense was trash. Yet they kept Blake Bortles because of the success that they had, going 12-4 and and getting to the AFC Championship. And then they went 5-11 and that season. And by the time that they realized their problem was their quarterback and fixed the problem by bringing in Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew, Jalen Ramsey, a critical part of their defense, had wanted out. Basically, the team management in those six, team, in those six teams becomes an equivalent of a moody teenage camp counselor. A moody teenage camp counselor. Hey John, what are we doing today? I don't know. I didn't plan ahead. Now go chase each other with bugs. One, two, three, I hate this team. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. They lack the patience in order to build a solid team, a solid foundation. They don't invest in their team building, which goes along with that. And they don't plan ahead to keep that team running. The Patriots do an awesome job of this. They have tons of patience when it comes to their young, to their young guys. Not so much when it comes to their veterans, but with their young guys. They put a lot of time into developing those young talents to, to become better and critical parts of the offense or defense. And they plan ahead. That's why they got Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett there until they became trading pieces. Because other teams wanted them because they looked good. So, in conclusion, I say for the NFL teams out there, especially those six that I mentioned before, which were the Cincinnati Bengals, Washington Redskins, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Chicago Bears, even though you guys kind of have everything already there, and the Tennessee Titans, get your squads ready. Fix your teams before you throw your rookie quarterback into the fire based off a need to fill a position. And yes, you may stumble into a gem like Patrick Mahomes early on at what? Pick 10. Or Deshaun Watson two picks later. But in the end, myself nor anyone else wants to see your horrible team take the field, sell, take the field, sell hope, and continue to go nowhere. So anyways, that does it for the G2. I tried to change up the format a bit, even though it was 
a shorter episode, noticeably. I I think I really like this um, sort of format where I keep things short, have some short stories going on, or points I want to talk about, or stories I want to talk about, and then have one overarching story that I do a whole bunch of research on to get to the critical point of, or root of, and have my own sort of twist on it, similar to um, what I've been watching a lot recently, which is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, which is more of a comical, uh, satirical news outlook, but I, I think that in the sports world that could be really, really cool because sports should be lighthearted, it shouldn't be all analytical, it should be fun, and even though, yes, people do make a living off of sports, and to, to them it's very important, to me, sports is very important, but at the same time, have fun with it, make some jokes about it, and move on. So, I think I'm going to try to continue doing this. I think it's pretty fun because you start looking at different things. I found out, looking at Tony Romo, that he almost was traded to the New Orleans Saints, and I also found out that the Chargers almost got Michael Vick, almost drafted Michael Vick, instead of getting Drew Brees. So I found that amazing. It was news to my ears. It was crazy. So things like that, I find it really, really interesting. So, that does it for the G-Truth. Thank you for listening, thank you for tuning in, and be sure to leave a comment down below. Peace out.